I am Regina Dyerly, COO of Vita HR. And I am Holly Nels, Regional Manager of HR at Vita HR. And this is Does Micromanagement Equal Harassment? Welcome to HR Stew. Today, I think most of our audience knows what micromanagement means, but for those that might need a little bit of a refresher, could you both give your definition of what a micromanager is? I think a micromanager is somebody who always wants their thumb on the pulse of what their employees are doing. They don't give them room to grow and flourish and problem solve on their own. For me, I, I, it means the like complete absence of trust in my abilities, right? So, you know, it's the words that come to mind are suffocating and um, a bottleneck, right? You can't get anything done because you're waiting for approvals and controlling. I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> me either. <laughs> <laughs> so today I prepared a fun little game for us to play. I'm going to read off a trait of a manager, and you guys are going to respond either micromanager or not a micromanager and give your reason. First question, every task needs management approval. Well, that's definitely micromanaging. Micromanaging. To, it's probably in the definition of micromanaging yeah. <laughs> in Webster's Dictionary. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I've definitely worked under this type of environment. It was a long time ago, um, but certainly very demeaning and demoralizing. And, and you don't get as much done as, as a team, as an organization. If you need to, you know, every task needs management approval. How can you learn? How can you grow? How can you expand? Certainly not going to be a nimble organization that way. That's for sure. <laughs> How about you ask to be CC'd on most emails to clients? First of all, who would volunteer to get more emails? I mean, there are people who volunteer to get more emails. <laughs> <laughs> they they want to be in the know on everything. And I don't even understand how you can fully grasp and be in the know on everything when you're being CC'd on 500 emails a day. You probably get 100 on your own that you have to take care of. That's too much. Well, typically, I mean, micromanagers are not great delegators, right? So it means that they probably do have their own work, or at least they're generating their own work that should be going to other people. Right. Right. So, so yeah, they have their own emails, then they're checking other people's emails, and I, I don't know, maybe even they're even critiquing people's response emails. Right. <laughs> you know? One of my um, first jobs many, many years ago, he, I had a, an amazing manager, and he one day told me, he says, you know, as a manager and as a supervisor, you want to be able to do, delegate those tasks that you know people underneath you can handle and empower them to, to do what you know they're capable of doing. And so that way you can do the higher level stuff, the stuff that they don't know how to do and, you know, lead the organization to great success. And that, that has stuck with me for 22 years now. Uh, manager number three takes credit for work done by others on their team. That's like the literal worst. Is that a micromanager or is it just the literal oh, worst? Oh, that's right. Well, that's what we're supposed to be. <laughs> yes. supposed to. Okay. Yeah, actually, that's not a micromanager. That's just a terrible manager. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, consistently challenges and opposes employees' work. That depends. That could be a micromanager if they're trying to edit their work, 
right? But that's just a confrontational Mm -hmm. manager. And and I think constantly challenges or opposes employees' work. Is that a micromanager or is that someone who wants to feel important, wants to feel heard, wants their voice to be known as a manager and, you know, know their place? So I don't know. Kind of money. I don't know. I mean, that's just not a nice person in general, yeah. right? I mean, like that person isn't just behaving this way at work. I don't really believe that there's a different persona that people have in their home life and, and their work life, even though I've heard that before. Oh, I'm different at work. I'm different at home. Yeah. You know, no, you're the same person. Um, we alter ourselves slightly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But no, this person's just a terrible human being. You have your customer <laughs> voice. <laughs> we have our HR voice yes. for yeah. sure. But changing the tone of your voice is not changing who you are. Agreed. Agreed. Wow. Manager number five: install software to monitor people's activity on company computers. It's funny. Now, when I was home for the holidays, and home is is back on Long Island, New York, um, my aunt was working remotely since COVID started. And um, she, I was like, well, isn't it nice working from home? I'm like, you could shove that load of laundry in or put that load of laundry in, sorry. Um, you know, and, and she's like, no, I literally can't leave my desk because they, they, they monitor um, my keystrokes and my mouse and all this stuff. And she goes, no, I have to, I sit here at my desk all day and I run to the bathroom and I come back. And I'm like, that is, I mean, this is a woman who has been in her field for 40 years, you know, at this point. Um, And and that's how they're managing their workforce because they couldn't physically see her. They needed to know that she was doing her work even though there was no history of that. And it wasn't just her. It was was their whole workforce, and it was a fairly small office. But I just thought, wow. Like, and she's no longer there, right? Like, that was... And there's a reason. Right. I mean, and and there was these behaviors before when she was on site, but that was, like, next level. And just like a lot of people, you know, have reassessed... The, you know, the environments that they're working in. That is definitely, it's, I don't know if that's micromanagement, but it's um, not trusting your employees. Yeah. (laughs) Stalking. And not, did anything, did she ever get reprimanded or anything if she wasn't where her keystrokes should be? She said she would get IMs. And Ooh, how yeah. do you know how many keystrokes you should have in an hour? If, if she just wasn't, if, she, if her mouse hadn't moved or she went to away or whatever, they would, they would monitor. And again, this was a small office. This was not like this was hundreds of people they were trying to manage. Right. I was just so flabbergasted by that when she was telling me. I was like, you need to start looking for another job. And they're paying somebody to monitor all of her keystrokes, all of her IMs, just to sit there and watch and say, okay, I noticed you haven't been on for two minutes. Where are you? What's happening? I understand that people feel like they need to have some control when they feel like they've lost control, right? But I guess I just don't understand how they, they believe that this is going to make an employee feel good. You know, like the average person wants to do a good job. You treat people that are not working, and you know who they are. You manage those people. You don't treat everybody, you know, yeah, like they're criminals. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in everything we, we do, relationships, friendships, uh, your work relationship, you want to be trusted. You want to be able to trust the other person, and you want to be trusted as an individual. And that just, just shows a complete lack of trust. I agree. This discussion brings up a lot of um, memories for me in my previous employment. I worked for a micromanager, 
And she constantly, she would ask you to do a task and do the schedule for the week or the next two weeks. But then it was, okay, I've done the schedule. You have to go take it to her. She has to review it and make sure. And I had been there for years and, you know, done this before with other managers. And every single thing that I did normally at my job, she would ask, did you get this completed? Let me see this write up for this employee. I want to verify everything. And I had been doing it again for a very long time. She would also monitor all of the cameras in every single location and in the back in the warehouse and know where we were. I was pregnant, I think with my first, my first child. And I remember just dreading going into work and getting up every single morning. And, you know, I was pregnant with a child. I couldn't leave my job or go look for another job, six, seven months pregnant, just dreading it in tears to my husband. And then one day we, there were three of us that band together. Enough was enough. And it was three years of putting up with this. And we had all written letters to the head of HR, our regional director, and the CEO of the company. I don't know if they conducted an investigation. I, I was very specific, very matter of fact, and, you know, didn't go off emotions in my, in my letter. And the next day they flew in, the regional manager, regional director flew in, and she was terminated. They let wow. her go. And, and I was like, I could have done this two years ago and been <laughs> so much happier. <laughs> Why didn't I think of this? But, but you know, I, I want to give people the opportunity to change. So I tried, hey, you know, I'm capable. I've been doing this for the past three years before you came on board. I'm capable of doing this. I'm capable of handling this. But this this ship has... Yeah, but then you, like, sound defensive. This is true. Right? Like, so that's that's the that's the tactic of, you know, oh, you're, you're sensitive or you're defensive. This is true. So how out of touch was the leadership team that they, they were completely unaware of these behaviors, that they all had to fly, they got these anonymous letters and then had to f- then flew in to terminate her. I don't know if out of touch. They would fly in, I would say, monthly or quarterly. and But they never noticed any of these behaviors until they got these letters? It, it's really shocking. And even when they did the walkthroughs on, you know, through everything, she would never include any other member of management, employees. She would never, you know, any of the above. And she, I had a really good... ton one. of red flags. Yeah. Yeah, and I had a really good rapport, and I still communicate with the old regional director. I had a really good rapport with him, and I remember she would just sit there right next to us the whole entire time, hovering over, watching what we were going to say, what employees were going to say, what other members of management were going to say. It was it was really toxic. So they knew to some extent. They just chose not to do anything about it until they got all these letters. Maybe. Maybe they were like, oh, I have these letters and it might turn into something bigger. So we've better, you know, it sounds awful. But the day that she was let go, we all just kind of looked at each other and breathed this huge sigh of relief. And, you know, this weight was lifted off of our shoulders. Yeah, because that level of micromanagement breeds a completely unhealthy and, like you said, toxic environment. Exactly. I um, remember one time when I was about seven or eight months pregnant with my oldest, we all wore uniforms, and she made me order pants that were about 10 sizes too big for me because maternity pants weren't in uniform. But these uniform pants fit in my waist, and I remember going home crying to my husband because I just looked like this clown with these long (laughs) pants walking down into the store, into the warehouse. And as a pregnant woman, you're hormonal already, yes. you know, and now you're adding adding extra stress to me that I really don't need at this moment in my life. 
The world has changed a lot because uh, that wouldn't happen today. No. At least you don't, I don't think it would happen today. I'm I sure hope it still, wouldn't happen today. It might, depending. <laughs> Manager number six is consistently aware of employees' whereabouts when in the office. Micromanager or not a micromanager? I would say that's definitely a micromanager. Um, almost the classic sense, right? If I don't see you, you're not working. Not exactly that, but kind of in that vein. Back in the day, earlier in my HR career, I had gotten a new manager, and she actually was in charge of operations, and they decided HR should report to operations. She kind of, I don't know, was trying to you know, assert her managerial... Dominance. Know. Dominance. Okay, thank you. I was struggling there a little bit. And so she came in and she was like, I need all the HR files moved to my office. We had a lot of employees. So, and that included, you know, the terminated files were also in my office at the time. And she's like, I need them all moved to my office. And I was like, why? They, they need to be in here. And she's like, explain to me why they need to be in here. I was like, well, I do the filing. <laughs> People do their paperwork. The paperwork is done in here at the table at my office. And then I file it. And she just insisted that they were moved because she wanted to see what I was filing and when I was filing and wanted to make sure I was up on the filing and that there wasn't, it was a whole thing. And it was just, yeah, that was not a great experience for me. And it really was, uh, it certainly didn't make me feel awesome. No. Um, you want to see when I'm filing and then I'm up to date on filing. Like that's like number 115 on my list of things that I have to do on a daily basis as an HR manager with hundreds of employees. Yeah. You could have been petty and took all your files for the week and then just gone and set them on her desk. All right, I'm in here to file. <laughs> <laughs> Got in her way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> manager number eight, avoidant to delegating tasks. This goes yeah. back to the same thing. You know, if you, if you don't delegate what you can delegate, you'll never get your own tasks done as a manager. But that's also classic micromanagement behavior, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm, no one could do this as well as I can, right. so I can't delegate this. Right. Or I want to hold all this information, so I'm so valuable to the company. Well, actually, that's, that's, real, that's a big one. Yeah. Actually, a fear of someone else knowing what they know yeah, um, and not sharing knowledge and hoarding things and super detrimental to the company, um, yeah. but they feel like that's important for yeah. their importance. Right? Agreed. So some of these traits were obvious psychological harassment um, from coming from some of these managers. So in conclusion, does micromanagement equal harassment? It, there's a fine line. I, I feel like the, the story about... You know, you're telling us about your aunt. I, I couldn't imagine how much anxiety she had just to run to the bathroom, you know? Like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna, they're gonna IM me that I'm not been on long enough because I gotta go to the bathroom and take a break. The mental anguish that someone could go through, you know, in those instances. I think she was incredibly stressed out and felt the lack of trust, right? After working for that organization for quite a number of years and being someone in that industry for so long. Yeah, it was, you know, I was disappointed for her. Did I think it was harassment? Yeah, I did, actually. I think that on some level, and this is not to be dramatic at all, but if it, if it crosses a line, then I think it actually is equivalent to harassment. Yeah. That does kind of spark another question for me to ask you guys. So on the topic of micromanager, if someone is experiencing or they feel like they have a micromanager, do you encourage them to speak up? Who should they talk to? You know, what advice would you give an employee if they are going through this? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> the classic, it depends. 
I, I mean, it depends on, on, on what kind of support there is at that company. That's a tough one. I have people that come to me and ask me for HR advice, and I always ask them, what do you want to gain out of going to your boss or HR or somebody else? What is your end goal? What do you want to gain? They'll tell me what they want to gain. And I said, do you think you'll get that resolution? And nine times out of 10, no, I don't think I'll get that resolution. Then is it really worth sparking that conversation and creating an, an additional uncomfortable workplace? environment. Do you believe a micromanager could change their behavior? I I think if someone's self-aware, they could modify their behavior, even if it's their natural state of being. I mean, some people are just that way. I, I, you know what, I'm going to take your hopeful approach, Holly. I like hopeful. Um, and say, I think that someone can modify that. If they care about their staff and they care about how they're being perceived and, and they want to do better, um, then I think, yeah, they can, they can modify themselves. And sometimes they're not aware they're doing it. It's not, not everybody's evil. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> Glad to know that a micromanager hopefully can switch their behavior if they have some type of insight. Kind of speaking on that, this segment, we go to the online forum called Ask HR, where individuals can bring up concerns or questions to HR professionals and hopefully get some advice. Today's story comes from an individual who works at a retail store. They're a small chain of specialty retail stores, and they have an employee. We call her Anne. Anne is the fourth member of our four-person management team, and they have a 12-person overall store team. Anne is a great functional employee, very organized, quick, efficient with tasks, and has a very high standard of what good looks like, usually. 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 (laughs) Now we're getting Um, into the juicy stuff. (laughs) Unfortunately, Anne struggles with her KPIs, but I have found that if I focus on her a little bit more than other people, I can get pretty good results out of her. If I take my foot off the pedal, though, her KPIs begin to sag a bit. But my worst problem with Anne is that she complains. Everybody gripes about their job to an extent, but I would say Anne's complaining borderlines excessive. For example, if her hours are increased, she complains she's tired and overworked. If her hours decrease, she complains that she needs all the hours she can get and that she has her bills to pay. If I schedule her for weekends, she complains she never gets to see her husband. If I give her the weekend off, she complains that she needs to then work the next several days in a row. If I try to provide any advice or coaching to her to help expedite projects or increase KPIs, I'm micromanaging or, I quote, on her ass. I was dealing with it fine for a while until recently. Anne called in anonymously to complain to HR about being scheduled seven days in a row. This instance happened when Anne was scheduled for a three-day weekend. Our HRBP called me to discuss the complaint and confirm that Anne made the call. Furthermore, our HR business partner said that after reviewing Anne's time cards and scheduling for my store in general, that I had excellent scheduling, the HRBP informed me that no action would be taken at this time, and that a follow-up call to echo what she told me would be made to Anne. It's now been three weeks since the HR phone call, and Anne has gotten even worse with her complaining. Everyone I have ever managed has loved being on my team. I'm now realizing that this is the first time <laughs> I'm dealing you know with... How that they love <laughs> yeah. being on I think, your I think team. he or she just lost me. They yeah. might have just lost me there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. continue. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Because uh, they're now just realizing that this is the first time they're dealing with an issue like this in their 10-plus year career. This person is now asking HR professionals... 
what she is doing isn't exactly breaking the rules, but how can this manager approach or solve this issue with Anne, especially now that she has escalated her complaining? Interesting. You know what's interesting um, <laughs> is it, that he doesn't talk about the team morale or anything else. Like everything mm-hmm. is related to him. Right, so that's usually when there's a complainer, because that is a problem. Um, when someone's like a chronic complainer that's on your team, like usually it impacts other people. And there's no mention of that in this letter, which, which uh, is, I think, a little telling, actually. Look, she sounds burnt out. And if she's in retail, uh, she probably is burnt out. So you, may, you know that these problems may not be able to be fixed. Like she's upset about things that are typical. Some of the stuff he mentioned are typical things in retail, mm-hmm. right? When you have a set number of days off, you end up working sometimes seven in a row. I came from, I worked in an HR for a call center industry. That happened regularly there too. She knows this. She's been in the industry a long time. So you have to tackle this head on. Let her know that if everybody's bothered by her complaining, that it's actually affecting team morale, that there doesn't seem to be any resolutions for her complaining. Not to treat her like a child, obviously, but sometimes maybe put a window or a limit on how long she's allowed to complain about something. <laughs> so we've all worked with complainers, right? So and sometimes they just need to be heard. The, the act of complaining makes them feel, it's like dogs barking, right? It feels good to them, right? So sometimes you'd be like, okay, we're going to talk about this for five minutes. And you clearly don't want any resolution to this because every solution I find you're not happy with. I, sometimes you have to be that candid with somebody that is prone to this type of behavior. A little troubled by his everybody has loved him because everybody doesn't love mm-hmm. anyone. Right. Um, ever. You know, um, some, like, sometimes someone just looks at someone and they don't like them. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Well, and I think with, uh, you know, the party talks about he has to micromanage her to get her KPIs where they need to be or they sag. Why in that instance, instead of micromanaging and, you know, staying on her every single day, set up expectations, weekly expectations. This is what I expect Mm -hmm. you to meet. This is where I expect you to be. If you can't get there, maybe we go down a performance improvement plan. Maybe we go down the write-up process instead of, I mean, I don't know. I think in this situation, there are other alternatives than micromanaging somebody. Set out clear expectations. If they're not met, you can't do the job. You know, maybe she is burnt out. Maybe it's time for her to find something else for her to do with her career. You know what else? I mean, like, every person needs to be managed differently, right? So some people require more attention, and some people need or want more attention. Agreed. This might be the case with somebody that actually is this vocal about some of her concerns, right, about what's what's happening. So maybe it is micromanaging, but maybe just him having to spend time with her, he's labeling as micromanaging. Well, and have some compassion and uh, and put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Build a rapport, build a relationship, try and get to the root cause of what's going on. Thanks for listening to Regina Dyerly and myself, Holly Nels. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day. Um, and we look forward to the next one. You have listened to HR Stew.